So, uh, second rate first mate, John, do you remember the last episode of the French, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air <laughs> when they left the house and the Jeffersons ended up buying the house? No, man, I didn't make it all the way to the end, even in reruns. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, let me ask you this then. Okay. Do you remember when uh, the Happy Days I know how gang... to do the dance, the Carlton dance. But... No, no, okay, no, no. Go We're not going to go there right. today. Um, but earlier when the uh, Happy Days crew would end up on Laverne and Shirley or vice versa. Oh, the spinoffs. The, the, the what would you call that? Crossover. Crossover event. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Sort of like Chicago so are... Med, Chicago Fire, and Chicago... Uh, PD, maybe? I don't know. Correct. Yeah, okay. I think they did this on daytime soaps as well. Right, but yeah. this is going to be our first ever crossover episode because we are welcoming to our show and hope to be welcomed to his show. We have none other than Mr. Hotshot himself, John O'Grady from Sheltered at Sea. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Nice to be here. Yep. This is your second appearance. Nice to be aboard. Ah, <laughs> no one's ever done that before. All right. Good. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. So, John, what are you, John's, doing here today? Well, I'm here just to kind of learn. Uh, John O'Grady is here to bring the meat of the sandwich. So, uh, John, what do you got? What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about um, Christian contemporary music and Yacht Rock. Uh, Really, Bedfellows, uh, to a certain extent, they are kind of in partnership um, and kind of developed along the same lines. Um, So, going back in the original timeline of Yacht Rock, 76, 84, we roughly define it, right? There was also this kind of bubbling up in the early 70s into the mid-70s of, of Christian music finally starting to arrive in contemporary music, thus the term Christian contemporary music. Uh, CCM. There's an interesting crossover, too, going back to crossovers, um, between the rise of CCM and the sort of contemporaneous um, rise of Yacht Rock, even though we didn't know that's what was happening at the time, but... Because of that, we're going to explore some of those connections. And uh, just in case anyone's completely not clear yet, we are going to start the discussion today, but we are going to continue the discussion on a future episode of Sheltered at Sea, which is coming up this Saturday. What time do you sh- appear on Yacht Rock Miami so people can put it in their calendars? We're on 9 p.m. Eastern time, cool. uh, 9 to 12 on Yacht Rock Miami. So where we leave off today, tune back in to Yacht Rock Miami this Saturday at 9. Okay. right out. Cool. So we're talking about uh, the CCM as the acronym, which being from Detroit, I thought this was going to be a hockey episode, but let's go with what you got. Um, So how did this all start? Some people today call it um, Yacht Jesus or Ark Rock, but you know, to take all that aside, talk about just contemporary Christian music as a genre. Well, it's origins really kind of, if you look at the late sixties, Woodstock era, like, you know, the kind of hippie movement, you know, I think there was kind of a lag in what was going on there. They'd kind of gotten the bur- bubble kind of burst and kind of what seems to be Christian CCM's kind of thing to catch on late <laughs> and get mm-hmm. into something. So they kind of picked up late on that scene. I think a lot of people liked that music, but they were Christian and it wasn't okay to be like a fan of Led Zeppelin or be a fan of something like that and also be a young Christian. It just wasn't something that was acceptable in the, in the churches. From what I can tell, and I'm not speaking for all denominations of things but i'm saying that seems to be the general message but there were artists young artists young talented artists that were were into it like they really liked what was going on in contemporary music and wanted to try to merge the worlds of of christian music take it out of the folksy you know long hair campfire stuff which was even kind of a kind of a on the edges anyways at the time and push it into a more contemporary sound and it really started again with like groups like the imperials we're working with Elvis in the early seventies. I think they're one of the first bands that really people noticed. Um, and they were also the first, one of the first bands in Christian music to cross over and bring in black artists. So the Imperials were really pushing that umbrella 
which I think was also pushing the sound of the day too, and allowed it to become more acceptable in the in the Christian contemporary world. And where do you uh, we we uh, had Chris Christian on a while back, and he talked about. Uh, I don't know that he, he he was kind of pointing to himself and uh, Brown Bannister as his, who is his producer and friend as at least one of the uh, sort of flames that started this fire, maybe coming from a different place because he, as if people don't know, Chris Christian came out of a church in Texas, eventually was given uh, some production deals to find Christian artists to produce. The first one that he launched out of his very own church was Amy Grant. Yeah. Who? And that yeah. was, <laughs> she was extremely popular. And the thing is, so the connection really is back to Omardian again. Omardian worked with the Imperials. Chris Christian's first real big run at CCM was with the Imperials. And Chris eventually went to the West Coast and did some popular work there. So yep. he yeah, he was connected to the right. West Coast music culture. But he was there like in the like what would be considered like the golden age of like Yacht yeah. Rock too. Yes. I mean that's yes. really where he developed his like that's where his where he came kind of forward. So really it starts with Omardian in the early seventies and as it developed guys like him got a chance young producers young hot producers got a chance to work with these bands who were already very very successful at that i mean the best imperials album i mean arguably i guess whoever you talk to but in the yacht rock circles is one that i think there's actually a couple um acceptable you know which songs that are actually on the yacht rock list are from the imperials and they were produced at that time with like chris christian and those guys so he's he's behind that so and michael Mardian. why don't we play a little bit of living without your love by the imperials And also, to be noted as sort of possibly a driving force behind Michael O'Mardian himself was uh, his wife, uh, Stormy O'Mardian, yes. who is one of the, and still one of, is the most successful writers of Christian materials, particularly this Praying for Your Husband, Praying for Your Son series of books that she's done. And so they certainly had this in the household, and so you could see why Michael was motivated to get behind these artists from a production standpoint. Yeah, and I think the other side of this too, outside of the Omardians, and again, they obviously did stuff later in the seventies together too, and put out some some music collectively, and kept doing that for I mean, probably still putting out music. But Andre Crouch is another one name I kept finding in all these bubbles, and he was a gospel R and B type artist, but into the like seventies and early eighties, he started pushing that sound too. So as a black artist, that's where the other bubble is coming. So you're saying you're seeing these wor- worlds merge, right. like you were seeing in like contemporary music. You're seeing bands like war come out in the 70s you're seeing these bands where they're starting to earth wind and fire you're seeing uh chicago where there's like some crossover you know you're seeing black and white musicians working together which obviously influenced you know even steely dan and stuff i mean that's why where they really got their sound was when they started merging those jazz worlds those blues worlds gospel worlds into you know what was you know rock music i guess at the time too yeah and if you're going to take your message into a contemporary area you're going to take it into the sound that is happening at the time which is why we say so much of the ccm sounds like yacht rock in a lot of ways right and again it's really dragging behind like what was i mean contemporaries were using gospel you know from like the 60s and you know like even late 50s they were pulling that in they were already getting grief about it but luckily it picked up so well in the you know popular sense that it didn't matter but it took the Christianity movement a little bit more time to catch up to all that that was happening. 
but they had already been getting their music stolen for a while, really, out of the gospel scenes and stuff, too, which is really interesting. And, uh, yeah, and aside that, that uh, Chris Christian also talked about, a lot of the artists that weren't necessarily expressly doing Christian music were also writing what they called you songs, you in quotes, which yeah. essentially what they would do is replace the word you with God, so you're writing a song that may sound like a love song, and really it's meant to be a tribute to God. The most popular one probably ever was You Light Up My Life. Absolutely. And it's funny, I noticed, I've learned in the early 70s when this Christian movement first sparked up, groups like the Doobie Brothers, no pun intended, mm-hmm. <laughs> say sparking up, but uh, <laughs> they like, Jesus is just all right. Like, That's right. Groups that were kind of gravitating yep. towards that idea because they saw that there was some development of popularity and weren't Christian groups, but they were exploring and kind of pushing back in that territory because there was an appeal there as well. So again, this whole thing was kind of, again, working up against what was eventually the Yacht Rock stuff, the proto-Yacht Rock into the Yacht Rock era. And I think, again, you bring up a guy like Chris Christian and Michael Mardian too, where they were the fathers of kind of that development and that relationship of those two sounds, which is why most of the stuff I realize now as I've dug back in is really from Mo Mardian and Chris Christian. Like a lot of the, <laughs> my favorite albums that are of that era and of that CCM stuff all come from those guys. Which makes total sense now. Yeah, and if you've just joined us recently to the podcast, uh, we did interview Chris Christian, which is one of the most fascinating interviews of one of the most fascinating people. That if you never heard of him, you got to go back and just see how his tentacles spread throughout the industry, touching on Olivia Newton-John to Dallas Cowboys to yeah, just about. He was so good at. Um, I mean, I, as a fan, I listen to your guys' show as well, but he was very good at like bringing it down to basic terms too. Some of your some of your guests are a little bit more sure. They cast a wider net, so to speak, and it's hard keeping <laughs> yeah. up with them. No doubt, he was really good at narrowing his focus. Apologies and- to Mister Graydon uh, in <laughs> advance. <laughs> it's not a knock on Graydon. It was a great I episode. Just, I I set you up for that. Wire well, choir and all that, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, another name that comes up a lot on this podcast and is in your notes uh, is Abe Laboreal. Mm-hmm. What is his connection to CCM? He just started. He was one of those first crossover artists that actually started moving back into that scene. So I think maybe because of what he does and what he brings to the sound. I mean, obviously he's not as an invasive uh, of an instrument and you know, instrumentalist, but I think he's one of those guys that was, he must've been familiar with Omardian or friends with Omardian. Mm-hmm. So Omardian pulled him in and got him in a bunch of early, like kind of crossover uh, tracks. I mean, so many to list, but he was one of those first artists that moved the other way, like from the Yacht Rock, Steely Dan type stuff back into like what was happening in the Christian sound, which again had influence as they were able to pull all, Yacht Rock artists, which that ended up happening like in the mid 70s, they were able to find that sound in production. And I think that's what Omardian and Chris Christian did, amongst a couple others like Brown Bannister, yeah. was find that modern production sound. They weren't just good Christian producers, they were just good producers that made stuff sound really, really good. That's that gave Chris CCM the edge. You know, it gave them something that made them competitive. Yeah, they understood also that the, the message that they have is a positive one. Um, it's meant it's meant to draw you in. So you're not looking for shock value. You're not looking to blow somebody's face off with, you know, you're, right. you're looking for something that is to use a, a better, maybe a worse term, but safe, you know, that would allow the message to be carried. We know that the producers and the performers, the session musicians all understood the one primary goal is to service the song and the message of the song properly. So these really were, 
the right kind of people to have playing on your record because they're not looking to show what they can do. They're looking to service the song. They're also session cats. I mean, we always go back to that. I'm sure a lot of times, right? They're like, how much you're going to pay me? What? Yeah, I'll be on that album. That's true. I'll come and lay a track and I'll leave. And it didn't really matter what, what the message was. You know, it didn't really, it wasn't counterproductive to what they were trying to do as artists or musicians. Right. But they understood that their role in a song was to let the lead vocal do whatever it's going to do. They weren't going to judge on it. They were just going to service what the, you know, what the song was trying to do. Yeah. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So who is uh, one of the guys I see posted more often than anyone else? For whatever reason, is Roby Duke or Ro- is it Roby? What What do you Robbie, know? I've heard it. I've heard. It, I've, I've looked up interviews and they, people pronounce it both ways. Okay, I was thinking it's Robbie Duke just because it looks like. I mean, Robbie's a normal name, but I've heard people say it both ways in different. So, and he doesn't seem to correct people about it. I've noticed in these interviews. So, <laughs> um, but again, well-known artist. He doesn't show up as much as I would expect. But when you look at like liner notes on his first two like big albums. They're just like loaded with yacht personnel. And I, again, I arguably said this to people usually after a couple drinks, like I would put him up against anybody in the era, those albums, hmm. um, in my, in my opinion, like, I mean, up against law, I'm talking logins, I'm talking McDonald, I'm talking about all of them. I just think they're, I think his albums are that good. Now there's some cheese on it, but they all have cheese. Like every single yacht rock album. It's not like it's a yacht rock album. There's not many truly pure yacht rock albums. There's, Albums that have good yacht rock songs on them, right? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But his album has like five or six tracks. But he looks silly. <laughs> it does. I was gonna say he looks uncomfortable on the cover. So already, yeah, yeah by Alex the Juan G's. love test. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Juan. I didn't know if this Juan yeah. or Alex. But so why don't uh, can we pick a song by Robbie slash Roby and, and give people a taste of maybe Seasons of Change. Seasons of Change. Deep in my heart, I'm a natural man. I The problem here's my only problem with Roby slash Robbie. Well, two problems. One is that we can't pronounce his name, and it's not Reggie Roby either. Yeah, he, he was his, cool. <laughs> oh, there's a deep cut. Um, <laughs> Miami Dolphins reference. His, we got to get his catalog on Spotify because yeah. I want to mix it in with my yacht rock, and right. I can't. Yeah, I know yeah. that's the challenge. I mean, I have his albums. You know, I went out and bought them and tracked them down, and yeah, it's uh, YouTube. So I have a question for maybe both of you. It, it, maybe it's unfair to generalize, but. 
in this case, would you say as a general rule, these artists were looking to use their platform to spread the word or like one of my favorite bands nowadays is need to breathe, which they will tell you they're not a Christian rock band. They're a rock band made up of Christians. Right. So yeah. and at times they certainly write about their faith, but what was the general rule? Do you think if, if you think of it, I don't think Amy there was, Grant. I think it's regional. I think it's also like probably what depended on what, where they were in their faith, where they belonged. But I mean, they were on labels. I think they were trying to bring in listeners, but I think through that, they were also trying to do like work to bring in potential people that would have interest in faith. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they're all very different. I think some of them like to separate them. It seems like some of them like to compartmentalize it a little bit more. Mm. It seems like a maturity thing too. I've noticed. I see a lot of artists where they kind of like, they got through their thirties, twenties and thirties guys that came out of the Yacht rock era too. And they were like, okay, too many drugs, too much partying. I need to go back to God before my life. It is. It's, rede- <laughs> it's exactly what it is. I mean, look at like Mr. Mr. I mean, we, you guys talked about it on your show a couple of yeah. times, like well, that they were, those guys were in that scene. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how deep they were in that scene, but they were in that scene. And I think that eighties was that kind of like coming out and like all these guys were getting divorced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all these guys were, you know, coming out of these like party Kicking scenes drugs. and yeah. <laughs> and so I think, I think that's part of it. So I think everyone has a different story to tell in CCM. That's a good question, but they all have different motivations, I think, for what they're trying to do. But I think probably like, if anything in music, it's the labels. Who are they trying to push it towards? Like, is it youth? Is it certain demographics? Like, how are they going to, how are they going to try to, you know, reach out to them through the music? And you know that by usually how, how hardcore they are about it. Right. You know, are they using the word you or are they using the word Jesus? Are they, you know, like what's the, what's their approach? And I think the heavy-handed ones, you're going to know who they are right away. They stand out. I think some of them others probably realize there's a softer way to do it that still yields the same result. John, I was going to go back to what you said because I don't. I think it bears repeating: is if you wanted to find a genre that was more accessible and friendly and upbeat and sort of not in your face, you couldn't ask for a better genre than yacht rock, which That's again correct. didn't exist at the time. But it's like right. this is perfect. It's no wonder these two things merged. Yes. Yeah, it took a while for metal and stuff to become part of CCM, but it eventually did. You know, like in the yeah. late like late seventies, like I think bands that were probably picked up picking up on like Zeppelin and stuff came later, like Petra. You'll see a lot of them show up in CCM talk. They were harder, but that took to almost the eighties before that started to be acceptable. In yeah, CCM who because, was the again, Christian metal band that got the Striper? Striper. Yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. So those bands all came in the eighties because I think it was finally okay because it gotten big enough and more accessible that they finally allowed it to be kind of come part of the scene. Is that it took that long though? That's so to show you from like the early seventies through like the eighties to finally get there where they were all like, okay, you can play hard guitar and it's still about God. It's okay. Yeah, I do. I know some guys that play in the the church band that I played in for a while, and they came into it a lot of times through whether it be Striper or other bands that were playing, whether it be hard rock. You know, there's some bands that were you if you stripped off the lyrics, it sounded like Blink One Eighty Two. You know, like that pop yeah. punk thing, and yet it was that was their way into Christian music. Yeah, I went to Cornerstone years ago. It's a Christian music festival. It's been around for a long yeah, time. And yeah. yeah, they had ska bands there. Sure. They had metal bands. They had alter- there was a bunch of alternative rock. It was in the early 90s, so it was alternative rock bands everywhere. They loved it, you know. Well, Creed. Um, <laughs> yeah. First time I ever heard the term Jesus Freak was at uh, uh, Cornerstone. Okay. And that, was an alternate- <laughs> that, that came out of the 60s. That was like the early 70s. I know, that it term was. Arrived. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like a term. Like I thought it was, I, I, I thought it was a bad thing, but it wasn't. It was a good thing. It was like. Were those weird people that like Jesus and also like rock and roll? You know, that's really what it meant, and it was cool. Yep. yep. Is there a way of being trying to connect to CCM? I think that audience in a, in a way too. 
John, you mentioned Andre Crouch. Yeah. Um, not a household name, probably for most people, right. but no. you know, CCM Yacht, it would be. Uh, give us a sense for Andre's work and, and give us a song that maybe we should s- snip. Well, his he did an album called "Don't Give Up." Give up in the uh, '80s. That was a little bit more in that. It's it's those guys came later to the party in general as far as the yacht rock sound. But that's one where he really kind of stood out. And God, I'm trying to remember the names off that album. I know I sent you guys a couple off the top of my head. I don't know all. Um, Got me some angels was one. And he looks, he's in wearing his members only jacket and good on that <laughs> album cover too. Straight from the mall. <laughs> at that point, it doesn't matter what the music sounds like. <laughs> no, but it's got rock. Look at the liner notes again on that stuff. And you're like, holy geez, there's a lot of these dudes on this album. And again, like that Robbie Duke album, like Paul Clark album, like some of the things I, sh- I shared with you guys kind of ahead of time, there's just, they just popped up on a lot of things. You know, like you saw these names over and over again of guys that were yacht rock guys showing up playing and the sound is there. Yeah. And, to your point, you had the, as you said, maturity. Not necessarily entirely, but Christian uh, music in parts of a regular artist that would have been considered a secular artist, and then de- delved into the Christian stuff at one time. You have Aretha, you have Dion, Al Green, yeah. which yes, that makes sense. Van Morrison, Billy Preston on that list, so that's cool. B.J. Thomas was another one that possibly yep. was being like he made a conversion, and then when he made a conversion, that was a big deal. Like he yeah. went from being a, a, a normal, a non CCM artist to being a CCM artist. That was a big deal in the industry. He worked with Chris Christian. Yep, yep. And they pulled those artists in. I think and that yep. what gave the CCM credibility too, which allowed them to get more money to make better albums, better production. Correct. CCM becoming more popular. Yes, that seems to be the line again that I traced from the beginning and end of it all. Uh, so again, over time, as it matured, like yeah, rock too. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays you couldn't do what these guys were doing in, in CCM or in yacht rock, which is to bring in. 12 studio guys that work on an album. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just can't, can't do it anymore. It doesn't work that way, at least not in normal circles, unless you have a lot of money behind it. Well, they you. say what the, the budget for Steely Dan's Asia was a million dollars, and that was 1970 what? And then let's factor in the cost of what that would be today. I mean, it's outrageous. Yeah, the making of that album and that video on YouTube. Yeah. I know you guys have seen it too, where they talk about the making of that. I mean, bringing six guitar players to work on one solo, you know? Yeah, yeah, just the solo. When you think about that, because also one of the biggest, uh, when Fleetwood Mac did Tusk, that was another million-dollar budget. And I think that's, like we're talking late 70s, that has to be a ton of money now. I don't know the math, but uh, I could look it up. Well, CCM was always operating on a budget anyways, even yeah. as big as they ever got. I mean, they were always going to be not able to keep up with the big boys because they, didn't ha- because they were usually personally financed by somebody. You know, that seems to be the thing I noticed, too. Like, somebody would get enough money to start a label which is not the same as like all these established labels that came out of the even turn of the century when music right. started to be produced. So there's a different way that they had to create it too, but they were able to at least pay artists to come in and work on their albums. You know, that probably worked well for them. Come in, we'll give you 500 bucks, play a solo, leave, you know, worked well for CCM mm-hmm. as a model. As an aside, a million dollars in 1980 would be $3.7 million today. Wow. I don't think there's many artists that can get a $3.7 million budget for a record in 2023. Damn. Nope. Um, I, I got to ask maybe both of you a question and because I am going to cede my time in the lightning round to the Senator from Wisconsin this week. Ooh, yeah. Um, are there artists? I have one in particular that I stumbled upon yesterday. So this is kind of like a buried treasure, John, you know, I've been getting into cool in the gang lately, mm-hmm. listening to their records. And at the end of one of their records, 
maybe you can re- help me remember which one it was. There's a song that's clearly written to and about God. Yes. Um, is that September Love? Well, that was a common thing in the R&B records, I learned, that uh, very common to have a uh, religious song as the last song on the record to, to keep their connected to their gospel roots. Absolutely. So... Did the Commodores do that? I'm just turning off the top of my head. Who else? Earth, Wind, and Fire, and those types. Jesus's love was a um, huge hit, actually, for the Commodores. So, was it typical? You said at the end, so they're burying their treasure at the end of the record. That would be typically? true. Yeah. Okay. So they they did that, and again, you'd hear them on like gospel shows. I used to listen to gospel shows on Sunday morning in Milwaukee. They do one every morning where they play gospel music, and you'd hear artists that were popular, and they drop one of their songs on there. And they, so again, it was always one of those things that they just did. Even if they weren't considered Christian artists, right? To have a song right. on there for mom, you know, kind of thing too. Yep. I think that was part of it. Is what I how I heard it described. Yeah. And so, can I just have permission to just go off the map slightly, and then I will be done talking for the rest of the episode? I mentioned "Need to Breathe." It. I just think it's the coolest thing in the world that they have written and produced. The only, maybe, but certainly the coolest song about Holy Thursday. <laughs> Jackie, it's so cool. It's Jesus in the garden talking to God, and it's called The Garden. Won't you take this cup from me? Because fear has stolen all my sleep. If tomorrow means my death. Have you ever heard that song, John? I know John Nixon has because yes. I make him listen to it every I have not. I, I, I have not heard this band either, so I'll have to do some digging after we're done what? here and catch up. Oh, come on. All right, I'm going to send you some stuff. I can't help it. I'm always slumming over in Yacht Rock Worlds and City Pop and you know CCM <laughs> stuff. I, I don't know. Modern well, you're yacht. slumming it on out of the main today. So <laughs> what, what can we expect in the next episode of Shelter at Sea where we, we're we going to dive deeper into this topic? Well, what you're going to see is I think one thing I, we didn't really get into a lot of discussion is there's a ton of Yacht Rock Disco. Oh. And like Chris CCM Disco stuff. Like What? They did a ton. Talk of, about worlds collide. Here's the thing. CCM and Disco were actually even better connected than Yacht Rock, I think, because you could say one sentence in a song. And that's it. That could be that's the whole disco true. song. That's you know what I mean? True. So it was like a really easy way to like these gospel groups picked up on it quick. These R&B groups picked up on it quick. that were Christian. Like yeah. it was easy to fit with disco. It's like bring a simple disco beat in. Simplify your message. Drop, yeah. 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 Even even if it was even if it was religious, it still sounded cool because it's disco. You know what I mean? DJ Fuzzy Logic, the guy I work with, you know, he's Prescott. He does a lot more into that area too. So I think you'll see he'll pull out some probably big gems too that right. I won't even have on my list because he'll be digging in a different direction than I do. We work in different methods. All right. Well, I vote that uh, we move into a lightning round and carry on the discussion after the lightning blast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, this is a fully sanctioned lightning round, not what I try to sneak in before I seated my time. Right. Okay. So, I have a found at sea, 
And oh, then you're that, supposed to do that before, like I did. No, right, no, no. no. Go I'm ahead. gonna do my found at sea, <laughs> and then I'm gonna seed the rest of my time. I'm gonna seed the rest of it to, as you said, the uh, the junior senator from Wisconsin. So as, as we were talking, <laughs> Prescott about must this, be the senior senator, by the way. <laughs> so as we were talking about this, I thought that it it would make sense for me to point out. Uh, even though it's not connected to the Yacht Rock era, it's much more current than that. The, I think, the greatest Christian band that I have ever heard, and the greatest song I've ever heard, which you'll see why this is found at sea, Hillsong United, and this is like there's the stairway to heaven of modern CCM, and it's called Oceans. So I found an ocean at sea. How do you like that? Whoa. What else are you going to find at sea? Right? Exactly. They know how to produce sound. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Whether you're going to be into CCM or not, it's just the sonics of that. It's just awesome. All right, John, you have a buried treasure for us. The Winans were a really popular group in the 70s and, and 80s. Um, played them on our show already. All these groups we played already on our show at some point in time. We're just bringing them all together for this episode. Uh, but they got a song called Secret Place that is just absolutely, I think it's dynamite. Ah! I love Yacht Rock that 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 flirts with R&B. I think it's, again, my probably my favorite Yacht Rock stuff in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the song by The Wine in Secret Place is really good. But, I mean, look into The Wine Inns if you don't already know them. They were a family of musicians, kind of like DeBarge and stuff, too. That Again, they did a lot of tracks. Um, they crossed over. and Yeah, they're big-time church family, yep. And they did a lot of crossover, right? Yeah, a lot of crossover. Not not to, uh, to uh, slap your hand right away, but that was a buried treasure, was it not? Yeah. Well, we need to know what you found at sea, sir. Oh, I thought he said buried treasure. I before. did. I didn't he know he was have. doing he found at sea. Oh, yes. He's found something at oh, sea, which boy. is quite interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> what did you find at sea? Uh, I had Amy Grant tomorrow. I- That's one of those ones again. Amy Grant, everyone knows her. I think everyone knows her later. I mean, baby, baby, and that was obviously where she really gained momentum as a, a contemporary artist. But um, yeah, her early '80s stuff, I think, is really good. I got a couple of her albums from that time period. Again, you said Chris Christian involved in those albums, um, and that Michael W. Smith, another artist that came out a little bit later along those lines too, kind of broke out of that scene too around that same time in those early '80s. Uh, but that song tomorrow. So again, I think it's again got rock without question. That just is also happens to be a CCM song. Interestingly enough, when we interviewed Chris Christian, I put him on the spot for our uh, Found at Sea, and I said, give us the yachtiest Amy Grant song. No hesitation, walking away with you. Okay. And that song is yachty as all He's get right. out. I mean, I can't argue with him. You know, he knows his stuff. Um, all right. Yeah, mine was tomorrow. Again, that's the one I hear. Cool. This thing immediately connects to, to Yacht Rock in my brain. But again, it's that, it, there's a lot in that early 80s, when they got to like 84, 85, 86, they were making Yacht Rock still. In, in, in CCM where it already kind of had died off. They were going Love harder it. on the synth and like, you know, guitar uh, driven music by the time you got to the mid eighties from Yacht Rock guys. Talk about doing the Lord's work, man. They're yeah. carrying the torch and keeping the fire and yeah. yeah. 
All right. Uh, should we go off the map? Yeah, I got one here. Uh, DeGarmo and Key, they were actually pretty well known at some point. But again, I don't, I think for an average listener, the probably name you haven't seen the wine is Amy Grant. You've heard of, you know, you've maybe recognized their names if you've been a fan of 80s music. DeGarmo and Key, though, again, that album and that song, Long Distance Runner. Um, it's just dynamite stuff. Uh, it's a good album. They look like, again, dudettes are my favorite. I think I brought them up on your show before. I love dudettes too. So in two, <laughs> yeah. when two so tell dudes. Tell people what a dudette is. Okay, a dudette is a to. duo of two men who make music together. Uh, like Hall and Oates. Yeah, Hall and Oates. England, Dan, like, John Ford, Coley. Yeah, yeah. Pages, <laughs> you know, yeah, all those groups. Again, I, we did a whole episode on them. I wonder if you can go back and find it somewhere. Maybe, I don't know if you can or can't, but uh, yeah, I just love when those do. It's something about it that's just unique. Dude, When two artists decide to like kind of partner up and, and work and collaboratively write together. It's been a big thing in music for years, but look, nowadays, you don't see that as much as a popular idea. It's just this guy and that guy doing stuff together. It's not as big of a thing as it was back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, like we need to get Timberlake and Bruno Mars together or something. <laughs> That's what Anderson <laughs> Pack and Bruno Mars did. If you never listened oh, to that's stuff, right. yeah, that's so, right. Sonic yeah. stuff is so. That's my daughter right. is in love with that stuff, and she will not stop listening to <laughs> it. Go. My daughter Anna, she loves that. it. So, yeah. Hey. But, <laughs> right, but well, the Garbo yeah, is great. Out. Uh, that's sorry. Yeah, good selection. Very good. Um, John Nixon, I wanted to put you on the spot yeah. to go off the map. So is there another artist besides Hillsong that you would want to cue listeners into who might like Yacht Rock? Doesn't have to be Yacht Rock, though. That is a good exemplar of um, could be worship yeah. music, could just be Christian music. Well, uh, Hillsong has kind of gone a little bit off the rails to, to a certain degree. They've, I think musically they've lost their way a little bit, and they were taken over by a, a consortium of musicians out in the West that um, were that every year they do like a big sort of convention, and all these Christian artists from around the country come there, and they sort of all work together and, and influence each other. And so this is more than just a – there's one core group – but it can involve any of these other people from around the country. And that's called Bethel Music. And uh, so if I were to play something that's worth hearing from Bethel Music, uh, Goodness of God, live. Cool. Yeah. So that's well, some Southern rock mixed with some CCM there for you. Very good. Well, thank you very much, John O'Grady, for coming on and educating us and our listeners. Um, if we were in prayer, we'd end the uh, <laughs> prayer probably with the word amen. Right, but we're not. So how do we end this? Ahoy, ploy. We? <laughs> 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 you guys do. I don't know. That's what you guys do. Right? <laughs>